0: You always got to be asking yourself what is that next step going to be and plan for it and you want to act that way now versus when you actually have to do that because you want to develop those good habits
1: before we get into today's episode i want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift and that partner is fund that flip and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet You know who Fund That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best-ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you... Get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you Best Ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever, and you'll get a free deal analysis tool it will help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project or if it's not profitable you need to know that too and make a determination on the max purchase price super important you can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, Charlie Gao. How you doing, Charlie? I'm doing all right.
0: So it's a nice, chilly day here in Michigan. So how about where you're at?
1: Hey, it's great. Cincinnati is nice and overcast like it usually is this time of year. So it's to be expected. A little bit about Charlie. He is the owner of I Buy Houses Michigan. He began investing after moving to California and working with clients who are investors there. He's based in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now he's purchased 19 homes since moving to Michigan in 2008, and he invests in a variety of homes. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now.
0: I've been kind of around real estate investing since I was little. My dad actually used to drag me into the real estate negotiation room at times, and I'd be playing you know with my transformers at the time. Um, And he was mostly invested in uh, commercial real estate. A lot of it from the business aspect of it came through to me, but I never really looked at real estate really thoroughly because I think maybe just because all the time spent on it, you know, you always kind of want to go away from and start going own roots from when you were a kid. But I think you like a lot of people, you start to miss those things. And so uh, when I was out in California, um, I had a number of clients. I was a personal trainer out there. And a number of my clients were real estate investors and, you know, I would have conversations with them and it was funny because after talking with them, like, you know, it's funny. I understand a lot of this stuff you're talking about and I'm not a real estate investor and here I am, you're paying me, you know, 70 bucks an hour when you're making two to $3,000 an hour. So that really piqued my interest. I got a job at LoopNet, which many people may know is it's the largest commercial real estate online listing service that piqued my interest even more. And then at the time, being in California, um, I was a 1099 employee, so it, it was a lot of difficulty with getting approved for financing because I'd only been there for two years. But I moved back to Michigan, and then that was right around 2007, 2008, where we started having now that huge real estate storm, and that's when I really took off. I just started acquiring properties. I think my first year I acquired two properties. And then uh, I was moving around for work and I just kept acquiring properties. And since then, I want to say that I'm not really increasing my pace, but I'm increasing my efficiency. So I haven't had to work a lot more hours than I did before. In fact, if anything, I'm working less hours. And actually pretty soon here, I'm looking at hiring my first employee as well.
1: Mm. What's the employee going to do?
0: It's kind of been an interesting situation because when I first started investing, I was uh, by myself completely. And then when I got married to my wife, she basically kind of going into the business. And so at this point right now, we've kind of separated our tasks, but it's been a huge benefit to me because my wife being new to real estate, I had to explain a lot of those things to her. So our first staff member that we think that we're, we're going to hire away is really the things that we don't want to do. And so we can focus on what we do best. And so they are going to be some type of administrative assistant, also managing phone calls, maybe a little bit of babysitting because I got three kids as well. In addition to bookkeeping, And I absolutely hate the bookkeeping, but it was necessary for me to understand how I want to use the person to basically manage that aspect of the business.
1: A bookkeeping babysitter.
0: If you want to look at it in a way but of course for tax purposes I have to make sure that bookkeeping is their primary job title because obviously I want to make sure that's a tax write off so right. if they do babysitting in the course of work according to my accountant then it's a complete write
1: off huh all right well let's talk about the last deal you bought tell us the numbers and tell us the business plan I bought two
0: deals a week apart from each other. One was a flip that's across the street from a graveyard. And then another one is a single family home that's turnkey that I am actually going to convert into a duplex. It's going to cost me under $1,000 to convert to that. So I'm not sure which one you have a preference for. All
1: right, hold up. A flip across from the graveyard and I was taking notes on the graveyard. And what's the second one?
0: And then a turnkey single family home that I'm going to convert into a duplex.
1: All right. Let's talk about both. Graveyard first.
0: Right now, I live in Novi, Michigan. My wife and I moved to this side of the state because I have a full-time job as well. And so we are actually transitioning back because my work is going to relocate me back to Grand Rapids. And the home that we purchased, it went on the market. It literally was on the market for one day. It actually wasn't being owned, but a person who lived there previously... They lived there for 16 years. They rented out for a year, and the person who lived there for a year basically just trashed the place. Like they had gone through probably three or four dumpsters. When we looked at it, they actually had two dumpsters and the driveway that were completely full. So when we purchased it, pretty standard for most of my flips. we basically did a line item explanation for what the scope of work would be. I think one of the things that I do that's probably different for most investors is that. Recently, I took my very first loss in real estate, and my very first loss in real estate was $63,000. So it was a real weight gain for me. And so when my wife and I actually look at investments to purchase, we generally don't have necessarily a set return in mind. We have those goals. But the ultimate cure-all that we look at for deep selling is that if we factor in every worst case scenario that could possibly happen, so 20% market correction, septic's not working, the plumbing's not working, the electric's not working. And we know at that point we're still going to make money off of this deal. Granted, it might only be $3,000 or $4,000. Then we'll go through with the deal provided it has a high enough ceiling to it as well. So if that worst case scenario was $3,000 off a $100,000 investment and what we really think it's going to be is like $15,000, then we probably wouldn't go through with a deal like that. So in this case, with the worst case scenario, because there was a couple unknowns to get the offer in, I assume that there was a replacement of sector, we'll assume there was a replacement of roof, replacement of electrical, replacement of plumbing. And we're about 25 days into the project now. The only thing we had to replace in those worst case scenarios was basically the roof. So you can factor in that. I think we were going to be profitable $4,000 if each of those four things happened. And you factor in the cost of what each of those $6,000 for full overhead electrical six thousand for plumbing. Our profit margin obviously increased greatly just because of that. The only thing that's kind of unknown was that it was across the street from a graveyard. And for some reason, I've developed a niche where I naturally have bought a lot of houses off of busy streets or in weird areas. But I think this probably takes it. Fortunately, we had a comp that sold a year and a half before. Very similar price range, very similar household. Very similar scope of work that basically sold where we wanted this house to sell. And then I actually know the person because I used to work with her a number of years ago that lives in the house next to it. So we were able to get some inside information about that.
1: Okay. That's getting the information and then ultimately you got to have someone pay for that price. How are you going to do that? Financing wise, we typically are
0: doing our deals cash. Whether that cash offer is actually really cash out. Sometimes we actually do have the cash in the bank account. Other times we may have to do like a 0% credit card offer. I have very good credit. So I have four different lenders that I can do an unsecured loan where it's literally a credit card app. It's what's your gross annual income? What's your date of birth, social security? I answer those questions. 15 minutes later, I'm approved. Two days later, my bank account has the funds in it. And then I just go from there. So I typically am using those resources. I can also utilize private funds for the first time ever on the well, I guess it's a combination of two deals, so it really depends how you realize it. My sister was actually able to loan us funds, which that was a first for me. I really didn't want to do it, and one, I'm not sure if my parents or my sister would do it, but my wife, who everybody in my family seems to love more than me, asked my sister and she said yes to me doing so
1: That's good to know as far as how you're getting the funds. What I was asking about was how are you going to sell it? How are you going to exit knowing that it's across the street from the graveyard? Because you said you have comps for similar properties, which is great, but you still have to actually have someone want to buy a property across the street from the graveyard. So how do you plan on doing that?
0: As part of my due diligence, that was really why I asked. I, I obviously asked other people who had basically invested in the area. And I also asked my friend next door about the homes because I'm concerned that it's going to decrease it significantly. Typically for a home on a busy street or the less desirable area or certain things like that, I might just kind of by 10 to 20%. And so in this case, what I did was I'm like, okay, I'm going to basically account that it's going to be a 15% correction. So being across the graveyard means it's 15% below market value. So that was one of the ways i was even more conservative about my approach but then also i had a comp literally right next door that sold a year and a half ago when the market was not even how it was now to so base it off of plus next door to us as well i have her information that she was able to have have living in the neighborhood and tell me about the different homes that sold in the area so those two things made it very very easy to really determine what we're going to price it at we obviously haven't sold it yet but that home will go on the market by the end of february for sure. So I have a pretty good idea of where we're at. But I mean, worst case scenario, I can't see us taking anything less than like a 16 and a half percent return.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, fingers crossed on that one. And thanks for walking us through that. You mentioned something that piqued my curiosity, and I'm sure a lot of best ever listeners. Did you say you've taken a $63,000 loss on a property?
0: Yes. <laughs> when I moved from Grand Rapids to the Novi area, My wife and I picked up an investment off of a great area, and this was actually through direct marketing that I actually picked up this lead, actually, and the person actually had listed on the MLS for a while, too, and I made a lot of mistakes, which even with those mistakes I made, I still could have been profitable off of it, but pretty much every possible mistake that you think could have happened, everything outside your circumstances from inspectors not willing to work with you to people embezzling money. I mean, I, every one of those I pretty much ran into on this deal. I could have taken it to the very end and probably only taking maybe a, a twenty to $30,000 loss. But the fact that I was tying up so many my funds, it was tying me up from doing other deals, just the headache from it, the fact that there was still a few unknowns, I sold it to another investor and he actually made money off of it investor actually is somebody that we've been discussing partnering with in the future so oh yeah it'll be lucrative from that in that sense but i will say that that loss enabled me to basically purchase these other two properties so while it was a loss i had to take it did enable me to do a lot of things i learned a lot from it i'm not sure i guess i would say i would still go back and take the loss again (laughs) but it's just a matter of making sure I don't take that type of loss again by making the same mistakes.
1: I'd love to actually hear the story of the property. So can you tell us a story, what you bought it for, and just walk us through how it unfolded?
0: So this property that I purchased, the person that actually owned it, his I'm not going to say his name, but he lived in it in his childhood and his father actually was a builder. And what happened was his father lived in kind of like a manufactured home next door to it. And then over the course of like 15 years, whenever his father would have extra like parts or windows or whatever from all the houses that he was building for a local builder, he basically stored that next door. And then he slowly over the years built this house. And so being that he was a builder, I made an assumption that he kind of knew what he was doing. I had been so comfortable with so many houses. I thought that I could basically purchase a home without inspection. And there was foundation issues. There was some other things. And then I did also have a seller disclosure from him, which that was probably one of the biggest things I said is that that seller disclosure, he blatantly lied about some of the things. I asked him if the home had ever had a fire because it smelled like it. there was fire damage. But when it came down to it, when I talked to my lawyer, they're like, there's really no reason for you to sue this guy. He's dirt poor. He owns $15,000 in back taxes on it. He has absolutely no money, and what best case scenario we have, being that he's a 1099 employee, is to try to garnish his wages, but we have no idea what he's going to report. The other mistake I made is I got to know him really well, and I actually began to like him. And the thing that's funny is I'm a salesperson, but in this deal, I was the one that got sold. It was a difficult pill to take that I got sold by somebody else because I really liked him. I wanted to work with him on it, and... I took him at his word for a number of things when they were just considered blatant lies. Now, granted, he reinforced it in paper, but what I know now is that it doesn't really matter if you can reinforce it in paper. It doesn't matter if you reinforce it on paper and actually collect on it. That's a big thing as well. So the house, we originally started it. We thought we had a reservation about $60,000.
1: What'd you buy it for? I
0: bought it for fifty-seven thousand
1: dollars. Okay, so you bought it for fifty-seven k. You thought the renovation was going to be sixty-six-zero thousand dollars, right?
0: Yeah, sixty to sixty-five thousand okay. dollars. All right. Yep. And the other thing too is that this house was pretty much down to the studs, so I pretty much could see everything that was kind of wrong with it. A few parts of the house that were not down to the stud, however, were one of the issues. So the trusses that run along the house. Because he, he was using spare, basically spare wood from all his job sites, rather than having one truss that runs the length of the roof line, he was basically using a few 2 by 4s to splice those together. So, didn't see that. So, basically, the whole entire second floor had to come off the house. Um, there was a number of areas of the home that took fire damage that he basically framed over it and then drywalled over it that I couldn't see. So... That was another issue that we had to deal with. Sump pump was another issue. Like He had a commercial sump pump, and then uh, he was also stealing electricity. I mean, you name it, there was just a number of things. But essentially, I had to tear down three quarters of the home. We added 600 square feet to the home. My contractor worked on the home. He did not have a good people skills, but he upset the local city inspector. That city inspector, because this was such a small town, it was in a small township, a part of a bigger city. He only worked there for two hours for that township once a week, while he was on his lunch break for another city. So getting him to come out and look at the house that was another issue too, as well because if he missed that two-hour time frame, it pushed us back another week. And another thing too is that we had to get permits for everything. So I went from you know being a casual flipper like to do now, I would say rehabs, you know, thirty to $40,000 to basically learning how to build a whole brand new home from this process. I learned about rough inspection. I learned about, I mean, I, the amount I learned about permits and rough inspection, I would say is probably why I would say that this was worth it. If I were taking this loss because I had already built a new home before, I would be kicking myself a lot more. I mean, obviously I still am, but every aspect of the home. And then on top of that, I was not familiar with the area. I was very familiar with Grand Rapids, but just moving two hours away, I was making how like, wow, the cost of everything is actually 15 to 20% higher. It's not that I can't find them. It just really is 15 to 20% higher. And then I'm also working in an area where it's it's more rural. I'm not used to it. It's septic and well, which I've never actually had dealt with prior to that. I'd always done city water and city sewer. There's just so many things that went wrong with it. I had a guy that threatened to walk on the job with me. And as most investors know, when you're in the middle of a job that involves a complete renovation like that, nobody wants to come in and clean somebody else's mess up like that. And on top of that, even if that did happen, I would lose so much leverage because somebody would know coming in that, wow, this guy is for the wrong way. Like he needs help and he knows that he needs help. It was a tough situation. I wasn't expecting to go that route. I ended up putting about, I'm trying to think, about 100 so I sold it for 57 again, the exact amount I bought it for, and I ended up putting about another 63000 into it, and it was still down to the studs wow. uh, when I had sold it. I basically had to replace the plumbing, the electrical reframe, and then I added 600 square foot to the house because I figured, you know, if I'm going to take off the roof, I might as well convert an attic space into a roof. That was probably the only thing of the house that went well because when the investor who I sold it to – finished it. I actually went to look at the house afterwards and there was other people there during that open house and that's all people were raving about was the open concept. The house is absolutely beautiful. That's i say the only thing I did right about the house.
1: There's <laughs> a comedy of errors that just took place and I say that because I've been there and done that, that's for sure, on deals. And thank you for sharing that because a lot of people don't talk about the mistakes they made. And as you mentioned earlier this deal opened up the door for future deals that you're working on, and so you certainly don't want to miss out on 63k. But at the same time, you have parlayed that into other things because of the time frame. What I'd like to do is invite you on the show for a special segment called Situation Saturday, where we talk about your other deal that you mentioned earlier taking the single family and converting it to a duplex. You up for that? Yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. Let's do that. So for today's conversation, Charlie, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I knew that you were going to ask this question and I want to say that there's a lot of things that, but I feel like this kind of directs everything to one thing is that always be mindful of what the next step is going to be at. And also also where the end is. So like rebounding from this thing, I had never done a hard money lender before. I didn't network much cuz I had some bad experiences working with other investors. I basically had to reconsider everything I did. And like in everything I do now, I always think about like so when I hire my employee, how are they going to understand the way I do this? When I do this is this going to make sense for what I'm flipping 50 houses? You always got to be asking yourself what is that next step going to be and plan for it. And then you want to act that way now versus when you actually had to do that because you want to develop those good habits. So I would say that's the best advice I have for somebody always be investing for the next step. Mm That was also with the end in mind. If you do those two things, you're always going to put your company in the right
1: direction. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. Let's do it first quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here, February 24th and 25th. The conference, the Best Ever Conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you Move Your Business Forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. What's the best ever book you've read? Wow, there's so many... The one
0: that I still think impacts me today as much as it did when I first read is probably Maximum Achievement by Brian Tracy. I read a lot of other good books that were really impacting me at the time I read it, but then if I were to go back and read it now, obviously there's absolutely no content. Brian Tracy has a sales <laughs> background. I really think to do any part of the business, you got to be good at sales because sales is really working with people and building rapport. And whether it's working with your contractors, working with sellers or buyers or other real estate agents, you had to have those people skills.
1: Best ever deal you've done?
0: I'll keep you short, sure, but I bought a condo for $17,000 with the exception of me having a plumbing mistake. I put $7,000 into it and then I sold it a year later for $51,500. And the only mistake I made was basically I messed up on the plumbing that I ended up paying an extra $2,000 out of pocket for.
1: Wow, nice. So I had a
0: 100% return on investment.
1: Absolutely. Love that. What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: I do a lot of different things. I donate a dollar to a different cause every single day through my work. I do a number of causes called like, for example, The Sum of Us. So random, but um, a long time ago I was watching a James Bond movie where they are talking about how they were trying to privatize water to take over that country. And the person I was watching with said this is actually happening. So I actually am part of an organization that basically works against privatization of basically water resources to keep it as public as possible. So. Probably something people aren't really worrying about, but it's happening a lot more than people think where we're giving away our water resources to corporations, especially here locally. And then the Dakota Access Pipeline, I was actually at the protest recently. So I drove in a snowstorm there to deliver supplies and wood and came back in the same weekend. So I drove like 35 hours in one weekend. So I'm passionate about a number of causes, but outside that water conservation thing, I think that it's kind of, all over the place. If I can help somebody here with one cause versus another cause, I try to do whatever I can here and there. Mm.
1: What's the biggest mistake that you've made so far in real estate?
0: Mm, biggest mistake? Uh, I guess the biggest mistake as a whole is probably stepping into that property without the diligence that we had talked about, the $63,000 loss. And then other than that, I think really just thinking that you have the answers, because a part of my mistake I made is that I had a spring where Houses where I was averaging thirty to forty thousand dollars a flip, like over thirty percent return on cash for like ten consecutive deals. So I thought I had the model in place and then that bit me. So I think really the combination of those two things, uh, you know, the house, but also the fact that I just got cocky. I I should have really, really evaluated like at every step like I was doing before.
1: What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with each other?
0: I am a member of the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors. So on that board, I contribute there probably the most. You can email me at mckmanagement@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can message me through my website or my Facebook page at mckmanagement or ibuyhousesmichigan.com.
1: I've been on ibuyhousesmichigan.com, checking out your website. Encourage best ever listeners to do the same. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing with us how to lose $63,000 on a deal and the lessons learned along the way in terms of the seller disclosures and foundational issues and contracts. I mean, it's just, there are too many things right there. It was just a perfect storm of bad stuff. But ultimately, as you said, and as any successful entrepreneur would say that they learned from it, it's a gift and now they're using it to build on bigger and better things so thanks for sharing that story, as well as the $17,000 condo where you put it in 17000 and you sold it for $51,500. So
0: I put it in 7000 not seven
1: Oh, Oh, even better. <laughs> seven and $17,000. Boy, maybe every time I say this deal, we'll keep lowering that purchase price. Let's just keep getting more money in your pocket, right? <laughs> well, thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. All
0: right. Sounds
1: good. Thank you. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.